My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. A few years ago, the Christian comedian, uh, Jeff Foxworthy, uh, Christian redneck comedian, Jeff Foxworthy had uh, a television show on called, Are You Smarter Than the Fifth Grader? A fifth grader. Anybody watch that? Okay. Most of us probably humiliated. I don't, I know that I'm not smarter than the fifth grader when it comes to math. I can do science. I can do history. I can do a geography. I can do a lot of that. When it comes to math, I don't help my kids out at all because I can't. I mean, Josiah, he's taken pre-calculus. We've got a uh, middle son taken algebra. Our youngest son, he's taking pre-algebra. My basic theory on this is, uh, it's, it math should be numbers. As soon as you put letters in, you ruin it. Okay. Um, but I, I wanted to, you know, show him how smart dad was. So Friday night we were out, uh, and, and we were having dinner. And I said, okay, guys, I have a math equation for you. Let's see if you can figure this out. And this is what I presented to them. I said, Jesus plus blank equals nothing. Jesus plus blank equals nothing. Or or another way to say it, Jesus plus blank equals everything. Now, my smart Alex Seth, the youngest, he said, Jesus plus negative Jesus equals nothing. (laughs) And I almost cracked a rib laughing. Uh, Thanks, negative Jesus. I've never thought about Jesus plus negative Jesus, but... He's a little cerebral. Okay. And I thought, no, it's not negative Jesus. Jesus plus blank equals nothing. But Jesus plus blank equals everything. What is that? And this, my friends, is the message of the book of Galatians. And it is simply this. It's Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus church attendance. Jesus plus uh, seriousness in your faith. Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus, you, you name it. Jesus plus religion. Jesus plus anything. If you add anything to Jesus, you don't have the message of Jesus anymore. The message of Jesus is faith alone in what Jesus has done, already done on the cross for you. That is salvation. That is it. If, if you d- just you know, add nothing to Jesus, you get everything, though. If you and I can stay true to the simple message of the gospel, the good news, which is this, that everything, everything we need, To have a right relationship with God has already been done for us. You see, the religions of the world, all the religions, you can distill them all. Even Christianity, if that becomes your religion, okay? Religion is our attempt to get to God. C.S. Lewis described it this way. We're all in a box. Our existence is in a box. And we know that there's something outside of this box. And we long for getting out of that box and connecting with this God. And so we try to climb out of the box. That's religion. Christianity is God getting into the box, coming into our existence, God in the flesh. You could spell all the religions of the world with two letters, D-O, 
It's what you do. That's, that's how religion works. You do this and you do this. It's all about works. It's you have enough works and then you will get whatever the religion tells you. Uh, but Christianity isn't D-O. It's D-O-N-E. It's done. It's already done. Now, uh, unfortunately, that's kind of uh, offensive to us because we, as rational human beings, we feel like we have to add to this. I mean, it's, you're, you're telling me, James, that the message is, I received Jesus Christ and, and that's it. It's like, well, that's what the Bible says. I mean, Paul himself writes this. He says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, say the words, if you believe in your heart, You'll be saved. But what about all the things you need to do? Well, it's already done for you. John, in his gospel, he says, to all who believed him, to believe, to accept these facts, to those who received him, to put, they put their trust in that. They put everything in that, all the eggs in that basket. To those who believed in him, to those who received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so you and I become sons and daughters of God, not because we work for it or because we earn it or we do brownie points. See, anytime we add to the message of Jesus, Jesus plus my thing, we don't have the message of Jesus anymore. And now this is the situation that we find ourselves in this text, in this whole book. And I'll just give you the background. The bottom line is simply this, is that the Apostle Paul, uh, who didn't know Jesus originally in ministry, but later on was called as an apostle when Jesus showed up on a road and he received Jesus. Paul was all about do was all about works, was all about, I have made my own righteousness work by all of the great things I've done, by who I am, my religion, my pedigree, my heritage, everything. Uh, If anybody could have made it by my own doing, it would have been me. But he says, I threw all that away. I considered it like garbage, uh, which is the literally the word excrement. When I looked at thou that I had, you know, I had done for Jesus or, or for God. And then I saw Jesus and I traded all that away and I went for Jesus. And then he became the apostle and he, he shared with Jews. He shared with Gentiles. Now, you know, the message of Christianity, the story of Jesus and following Jesus was birthed out of Judaism. If you read the Old Testament, uh, I'm in it now. Uh, God calls Abraham and then there's Moses and the law is given and God has called these people to himself, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, they're his own and their heart was to go out supposedly to go out and share it with everybody, but they kept it for themselves. Ultimately, they were looking for a prophet, a Messiah, a Christ to come and he did in Jesus. And so the early followers of Jesus were all Jews. In fact, you think about it, Jesus himself was a Jew. That's a good, you might want to tell a white supremacist that, by the way, because Jesus himself was a Jew. He was a Middle Easterner, all right? Okay, and, and you know, the reality is everybody who followed Jesus was a Jew. They were all Jews because it was embedded in the culture that Jesus was the Messiah. But something happened, as Jesus himself said in the book of Acts, that the message would be in Jerusalem and go to Judea and then go to Samaria, which is the other races and to the ends of the earth, the Gentiles. And, and what happened was a split began to form between Judaism and Christianity. And it wasn't designed to be that way at all. What was happening was this is the fulfillment 
of everything God had written in the law. Jesus himself said that. That the capstone of everything God had been doing in the Old Testament culminated in Jesus. And so many, many, many people believe this. And as Paul went around, he taught this in the synagogues. People believed it. They, they rejected it. They received it. And then he began to preach to Gentiles. Now, here's, here's where everything kind of went haywire for the early church. Is how is it that the Gentiles... Those Greeks, those barbarians is what we were called, actually received the message. And Paul said it's the exact same way. Just like we get in. We get in through Jesus. But that wasn't, that wasn't enough for some of the Jewish followers. Some of the Jewish followers, the leaders of this message, they said, but that's not how it works. They, they have to be like us. They have to go to Moses first. We had to go to Moses first. So this is, this is their equation. Jesus plus Moses equals salvation, right? Or Moses plus Jesus, right? And so all these people that are Jews are, are, are getting frustrated because, wait, we had to obey the laws. Now, see... Everybody knew this. You read the Old Testament. All the people around the Jews knew this, that there were certain laws. There were certain cultural identifiers, things like uh, eating food that was kosher or, or that had been blessed by a rabbi. Only certain there were clean foods, unclean foods. You have to eat only clean foods. That's a law. Okay. Uh, males have to be circumcised. All males have to be circumcised uh, at birth or at conversion. Males have to be circumcised. Um, if, 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 bottom line, you have to obey the 613 laws of Moses. You have to adhere to all the laws of Moses. I, I, I guarantee you don't know 613. I guarantee you don't fulfill them. I don't even fulfill the 10. Okay. I mean, but, but you got to get them all right. You got to take the Sabbath day. You got to treat it holy. They had a list of these rules. You got to not interrupt with foreigners okay you've got to make sure you keep yourself clean from any other person that might defile you well they said now that you as a gentile received jesus you have to also obey the laws of moses so it's okay that you're coming to jesus but you have to go to moses first now that is the controversy of the book of galatians or actually of the whole early church and the book of acts you see in acts 15 this whole tension of now, we're all Jews. We're the leaders. This has been birthed out of our own heritage, our own race and religion. And yet people of a different race and of a different religious belief or even non-religious belief, they are now wanting in. And what do we do about that? Do they go? Can they go straight to Jesus? And that is Paul's argument. Well, as he goes around and plants churches in, in this area of a northern part of Greece around Turkey there, you see all these churches explode. But what happens is they begin to be, you know, be birthed and explode and the gospel message go out. These people called Judaizers who are believing in Jesus, but also following all the laws of Moses are coming into the churches and saying, Oh, you, you brand new believers. I'm glad you received Jesus, but there's, there's an old Testament you have to adhere to. You have to be circumcised as males. You have to eat only kosher food. You have to obey all the laws of Moses. You have to make sure you honor the Sabbath. You have to do all of these things. And Paul is angry. He's absolutely livid because what they're doing is saying Jesus plus fill in the blank plus Moses in this situation is what it takes. See, my friends, anytime you add anything to Jesus, you don't get Jesus anymore. You dilute the message with even one little thing. Now, we're scratching our heads going, that's nice and all. But I don't even know any Jews and none of the Jews are coming to me telling me to obey the law of Moses. So how does this apply to me? Well, here's what I want to say. I want to say that we as a church, Christians, we're our own worst enemy with this. 
because even though the primary application really isn't applicable anymore because it doesn't exist, uh, the reality is church people do this all the time. Christians do this all the time. We make Christianity a religion. We come up with our own rules. We come up with our own requirements. We come up with a list of do's and a list of don'ts. And we go, oh, yeah, you can come and receive Jesus, but then you have to sing the songs that we sing. Because if you sing any other songs, you know, you're accursed. All right. Uh, we, we, we follow Jesus, no problem, but you have to like the music we like. And our music can't have certain instruments and can't be done a certain way. All right. Well, well, okay, you can accept Jesus, you can follow Jesus, but then when you come to our church, you have to dress a certain way. This is the lifestyle. My mom grew up in a culture, a religious culture, where, I mean, people were followers of Jesus, no question, but it was, now you women can't wear makeup. Because if you wear makeup, you're, you're a harlot, you're a Jezebel, okay? And so my mom, at 15, ejected from the church, because it was a bunch of religious rules. Women, you can't wear jewelry. Any women wearing jewelry? Because, oh my goodness, you are in trouble. Our ushers are going to come find you. Because if you wear any adornment, you're not honoring God. See, we are so good at that. For her, it was like you can't go bowling. Like, I'm not even good at bowling, but I'll go and have fun. But bowling is not spiritual because, you know, Jesus never bowled. I don't know. Um, you can't play cards because that might be gambling. You, you, you can't do anything that might resemble what other people do because you have to so set yourself apart. The, the length of the skirt and the dress. I mean, that still exists today. Now, even in our culture, though, even in our modern church era, we still wrestle with this tension because we end up in a situation where we don't, you know, we laugh at those things. We don't have those, but we still have something. We still have, oh, but, but you, you know, you read, need to know the things that I know. You need to honor God the way I do. You need to worship the way I do. You need to have discipleship the way I do. You need to look like me. And my friends, anytime any of us add to the message of Jesus, we don't get the message of Jesus anymore. Now, the tension still exists. What about the role of works in our life? I mean, faith plus works equals salvation? No. We'll see this in weeks to come. That the Apostle Paul is very clear. It's faith in Jesus alone. Then you've got a guy called James, Apostle James. He writes, uh, brother of Jesus, he writes and he says, but you've got to have works. That's a tension. But it's an easily solvable tension. It's a, something to, to really understand when you realize that when you have faith, you will evidence it in your life. But if you say, all that I'm doing for God evidences my faith, you might not have faith. Because you could just be a clone. You could just mimic the behavior of every person and have all the outward appearance of works, but not have any true inward faith. So what we will wrestle with week after week after week is this tension. What is the gospel and do we have it? And are we twisting it or turning it around or turning it inside out? Okay, that's where we're at. If you weren't with us last week, that was the message. So there you go. Uh, we're going to take a look at this starting in chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. In just a few verses, page 890 in your chair Bible. Page 890 there. And um, Genesis, uh, Genesis, you could start in Genesis if you want, but you better get to Galatians somewhere quickly. Uh, Galatians uh, chapter one, Paul writes here and, you know, he, he just jumps into the main argument. He's, he's just furious. This is what he says. He says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. See, Paul's angry 
And he's not just angry about a minor issue here. He's saying everything that we believe and hold dear hinges on this conversation. Do we have faith in Jesus alone? Our world has developed a a philosophy, a theory that says uh, you can do whatever you want and everybody should accept that. Uh, Everybody should tolerate that. Everybody should be, uh, you know, giving enough space for you to be who you are and do whatever you want and believe whatever you want. Even in Christianity, we have that. People who say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as he says in John 14, 6. But also, and then we add to that. We, We do that all the time. We go, of course, I'm pretty confident in what I believe, but that's for me. And I don't want to actually impose that on anyone else because whatever they want to believe in, that's for them. But you can't have, that's not even logical because it doesn't work in any other realm of science. Any other realm of physics, you can't do that. If it violates a law, it violates a law. And so what we have here is we have one of the most evil things we could do to a person is to say that, let me share with you my version of God that's different than the real God. Some versions of God are, well, he's a, he's a grandpa God and he's up on that porch. He's a little senile, can't quite hear you. And he's drooling a little bit, but all he is, all he is, is a God of love. So as long as you love, you can do whatever you want. It's like, that sounds great. And it would make great songs and great Pepsi commercials, you know? But it's not the truth. Some people say, well, God is a tyrant and he's, he's just vigilant on his anger and he wants to smite people. And it's like, you know, have you been smote yet? You know what I mean? Because he will smite you and he wants to lash out at you and any bad thing you do in your life, he's going to destroy you. He's an angry tyrant God. And that's not how the Bible presents God. You know, there, there is a God that says, if you jump through all my hoops if you do it exactly my way, don't miss any of them, then you'll follow. See, one of the worst, one of the most evil things we could ever do is introduce people to the wrong God. The God that doesn't even exist. And get people down a pathway. And we as church people do this all the time. Here's something that Paul says here. I want to kind of look at this. He's first of all he's shocked. They're brand new. They're newer believers in Jesus in this region of Galatia. And they're being turned away and twisted because these Judaizers have come in. He says, I'm shocked that you are quickly you're turning away. You're, you're, you're moving to something else. This is important here. He says, the one who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. That's it. This is the message, the gospel. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. Literally in the original language says, you're following a gospel that's not. You're following a message that's not, it's just not the message. And here's what they were doing. He says, you are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Uh, some translations say pervert or distort, but the idea in the literal rendering is you're, you're reversing it. It's kind of like a, you're turning it inside out and putting it backwards. And you think about that, what they were doing was contrary, 180 from Paul. Paul says this, that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son, that whosoever, is English, whosoever believes in him, believe in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. And they were saying, yeah, that's a good message, but believing means doing all these things. And this is how it works for you and for me. The idea is today is Paul was saying, you have faith. 
you have belief in what God has done through Jesus, your life will produce good works. There will be a transformation. There will be a change in your life. But he's saying, if you reverse the order, if you say, if you work hard, if you're diligent in your life, if you obey the rules, if you begin reading the Bible, if you begin praying, if you begin attending church, if you go to a small group, if you tithe, if you do whatever and you've got a list and if you do these things, then you will have faith. And Paul's saying that isn't the gospel at all. That's not good news. Now, what is the word gospel? We're going to see this week after week. It's a beautiful thing. I like how the New Living translates it because... In our day and age, words lose meaning. Even the word Christian, I, I don't usually use the word Christian. I don't, people, I don't tell people I'm a Christian. You know, I don't tell people I'm an evangelical. I don't, I don't tell people much of that at all. I will tell people I'm a follower of Jesus. Because if you say I'm a Christian, all kinds of extra meanings get attached to that. Because people out there are saying I'm a Christian. I mean, Dave Koresh is a Christian, right? Was a Christian. You know, Charles Manson, follower of Jesus, you know, believed in the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which happened to be the Beatles, by the way. Okay. And most of them are dead. Uh, but, you know, people go, I'm a Christian and people have abused that name. I don't use that word. And I like how the new living in many times doesn't use the word gospel, because if you were to talk to a person today on the street, if you were to go to a person at school or you go to go to someone at work and you say, what is the gospel? They'd go, well, it's uh, music. It's a kind of music. It's a style of church, style of singing, gospel. It's a fill in the blank. It's a, it's a category of books that are written. The word gospel isn't a Christian word. It's, I mean, it's not like a spiritual word. It just simply means the good news. It, it means news that makes you happy. News that announces something great has happened. And so in the culture, in the day and age of Paul, of Jesus... An emperor would have some good news, some just amazing, astounding news. And the emperor would dispatch heralds all through his kingdom to go and proclaim the good news. And that would be a gospel messenger. And they would stand up and they would announce the gospel. They would say the gospel, the good news, that's all it means. The gospel is the king, the emperor, Caesar, our Lord God has had a son. That's what they would say and everybody celebrate because we have good news now. We have an heir to the throne. That's good news. That's the gospel. Okay. That's, that's how the word would be understood. Or, Hey, the herald shows up and says, I want you to know, unroll the scroll, whatever, and go, I have a gospel message for you. I'm a gospel messenger. I'm a herald of the gospel. I'm an announcer of the gospel. I'm a proclaimer of the gospel. I'm going to communicate the gospel to you. Our team has won. Rome has won a victory over the barbarians and everybody celebrates. That's how the word was used. And Paul uses that. John uses that. John the Baptist, Jesus uses that to say, we have good news. Well, what is the good news? The good news is not, hey, if you work your way to heaven, God will accept you. That's not good news. Because have you tried to work your way to heaven? It's pretty depressing. Because I'll be honest, the theological word I would say is we stink at that. I mean, even on our best days, we do not reach that. We fall so short of that. If you're here and you go, I have a plan, a gospel plan, a good news plan that I, by my behavior, I will work my way into the family of God. That is not good news, my friends. That's depressing news because we fail at that. We stink at that. We are horrible at that. We fall so short of that. That's not good news. The good news is 
that God in his loving mercy has sent Jesus Christ to do what we could never do. And that is to pave the way to open the door for us to come into heaven. We've received an invitation now that Jesus has laid down his life for us. And now by believing in that, we receive all of this inheritance of God. We get into the kingdom. Now, the beautiful thing, when you see John the Baptist comes preaching, he preaches the gospel of the kingdom of God. When you see Jesus come preaching, it says this right away. It says he preaches the gospel of the kingdom of God. If you open up the book of Acts and see Paul, he goes around preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. There's a subject, okay? The good news of something. And what is the good news? The good news is that God has a kingdom. The world has a kingdom. We all have this kingdom around us, this kingdom we can see, this empire we can see, this, this world around us, this system. But God has a kingdom. And in God's kingdom is freedom. In God's kingdom is life. In God's kingdom is purpose. In God's kingdom is all you have ever wanted for your life. And the good news is you can get in and it's free. It's not cheap because it costs Jesus everything. But by giving his life for us on the cross, he has opened the door that you and I now freely receive it. And there are no, there are no dues you pay. There is no application membership fee. Jesus has done all of it. So the gospel message is you can come right to God through Jesus Christ. But my friends, if you try to go through any other door, you won't get there. As narrow, as intolerant as it sounds to our modern ear, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And as the apostle said in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is no other way. But see, that's the good news. You don't have to come up with a way. You don't have to adopt somebody else's way. You don't have to go down a road and spend all these years and all these dollars and all these dreams doing something. And one day realize I I was a dead end, right? Work my way up the ladder to realize it's propped against the wrong religion, right? The simple truth is Jesus plus nothing. But see, they were twisting it and turning it around. They were reversing it, turning it inside out. And they were saying, the good news is you do these things and then you'll receive God's favor. Man, my friends, that's religion and that's depressing. And you don't want to be any part of that. And sometimes the worst enemy of the true message of Jesus is the church itself. Now think about this. The book of Galatians was not written to lost people. It was written to followers of Jesus who were twisting the truth or who were believing the twisted truth. I think this is a message that you and I desperately need. Faith alone in Jesus. Now, let me say it this way. Uh, Often accredited to Augustine of Hippo, but he didn't say it. Somebody, I think in the 1600s said it. Um, It said this, in essentials, we have unity. In non-essentials, we have liberty, but in all things, we have charity. Okay, 1600s, that sounds like a good word, charity. All right, what they're saying is, and, and, and we believe this, is that in the essentials about Jesus, we have to have absolute agreement on that. And, and there are some really important things about the message of the essentials. Uh, the divinity of Christ, who is Jesus. He's, he's God's son. He is God himself. Come in the, and, you know, born of a virgin, the whole deal, come die, all that. Every pastor I hang out with in the Washington County area, I was just at a gospel gathering for the whole Portland area, several hundred pastors. We all believe that message, but I'm telling you, we have a lot of variation on the non-essentials. The non-essentials are uh, how you do church government. That's okay. 
We have a lot of charity and freedom. You can do it this way. We'll do it that way. That's fine. We're not going to argue. We're not going to divide over that. Uh, certain things, uh, obviously, certain spiritual gifts, whether it's like the sign gifts or speaking in tongues or healing or whatever, that's great. I spend a lot of time. When Cuba, we, we work with two groups of pastors, Baptists and Pentecostals. There are three groups in Cuba, Baptists, Pentecostals, and Catholics. Okay? And so in our group of 35 pastors, we have a list, uh, you know, about half are Baptists, half are Pentecostals. I love them both. That's great. I align myself more with the Baptist guys, but it doesn't matter because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ here, right? And it doesn't, that, that's a non-essential to me, whether you reflect this or reflect that or how you do certain things or why you do certain things. But in the essentials, we have to have absolute, absolute certainty that these are the things. Because if we no longer have Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, we're not even on the same playing field. We have left, we have left the message. And so what Paul is saying is, these people, this is not a disputable matter. This is an essential matter. You can't have charity. You can't have love on this one. You've got to fight for this one. And Paul is fighting mad. He goes on to say this as he goes to the next text. He, the next screen here. We go. Let God's curse fall on anyone. That's pretty strong. He starts with it and ends with it. Let God's curse. That is an Old Testament thing that you want to be careful of. Okay. The word is anathema. Let God's fire and brimstone basically fall down on anyone who says differently. All right. You don't want to curse people. All right. There's a serious uh, situation with that. Jesus says that. But Paul is willing to risk everything. He says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us. Myself included, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of gospel, good news than the one we preached. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that, this is one of the earliest of any of the letters that were written. James was written earlier, we believe, and then Galatians was one of Paul's first letters. He says, even if an angel showed up and gave you a different way. Have you ever studied world religions? Have you ever studied cults? If you, just even a cursory grant, glance would show you that so many other beliefs are birthed out of an angelic visit. We, we know that when Satan shows up, what does he show up with? A little short guy, fat, big tail, pitchfork horns, right? He's red, right? No, he's not. Why is the devil red? You know? He shows up as an angel of light. The Bible says he shows up as perfect truth. But he's deviated from the truth. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Oh, God's bogus. No, he goes, did God really say? You got it almost right. God missed a point. 99 of them are good, but the one point is this. That's what religions do. That's what cults do. Around the world today, there are so many belief systems different than Christianity, true Jesus. And they were formed by a leader or an angel. That revealed the message. Would we be surprised? Paul already told us, if even I were to show up and give a different message, let me be cursed. If an angel from heaven who preached a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you, I say again what we have said before. It's kind of funny when you read Galatians like, uh, when did you say it before? Well, the last sentence. Okay. I I like this because he's pretty serious here. All right. He calls down curses. He gives the message. He goes, I'm going to give you the message again. What? Because I can't read? Just in case you missed it. I'm going to say it again. I love this. I'll say it again. What I said before. If anyone preaches any other gospel, good news, than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Pretty strong, pretty heated, pretty angry. My friends, what are you believing in? Are you believing in Jesus plus your good works? Paul has some harsh words for you. 
Are you believing in Jesus plus my way of doing things? And if anybody wants to follow Jesus like I do, they have to mimic me. They have to believe the things I believe. They have to do the things that I do. They have to look like me. Or is it Jesus plus nothing equals everything? Paul says, let's be really careful as followers of Jesus, never, ever, ever to add to the message. When you add to the message, you twist and turn the message around and you reverse it. And then it's not good at all. It's not good news. It's bad news. There is some bad news. And the bad news is apart from Jesus Christ, we are all cursed. We are have, we are all fallen and we have fallen very far of God's glory. But that's why the good news is so good. Because we can come and receive it now with freedom and with beauty because Jesus has done all of the work for us and he calls us to come to him. All of us who are burdened and weighed down with our religion, all of our heavy weight of trying to earn it and you lay that down and Jesus will put a weight on you that is not even a weight at all. It is a, it is rest, my friends, and you can receive rest from him. Now, Paul finishes it with this and really is kind of the bridge into next week's message. But he says this, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of men, people, which is good because you just ticked a bunch of people off. Okay. He says, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I don't even care if people like me after this message. I only care about what God says about me. All right. So this is the message here. If pleasing people were my goal, and I would say back in the day, that was his goal. He pleased a lot of people, uh, but not anymore. I would not be Christ's servant. The good news is that Jesus and Jesus alone, God is not an angry God. My friends, he's not an indifferent God. He's not an impersonal God. He is a close God. I'll I'll never forget this. My, my grandpa from Indiana uh, came to California to the Bay area there and he received some surgeries on his knees. He had been kicked, um, by cattle early on and he was bent over. And so he got new knees and new hips, not an easy thing for a 70 plus year old person. But when it was all done, uh, he was able to put his cane, his crutches down. And, and I'll never forget this. He showed up and in church, this is, he said, I asked Jesus how much he loved me. And then my grandpa got up and he, he says, he stretched out his arms and died. That's how much Jesus loves you, my friends. If you question God's love for you, look at Jesus. If you ask Jesus, how much do you love me? Well, he will show you. He stretched out his arms and he died for you. That, my friends, is the good news. Paul writes to the Roman believers. He says this. I am not. I am not ashamed of that good news. Let's get that on the screen there. I'm not ashamed of this gospel, this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Obedience is not the power. Religion is not the power. Rules is not the power. Requirements is not the power. The relationship that we have with Jesus because of the gospel, that is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile, the Greek. This good news, this gospel tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith, not by your works, not by your effort, not by your energy, but by faith from start to finish. It's all accomplished by our faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life in coming, coming weeks. We're going to learn a little more about a a 500 year old monk um, who changed the world. We are here today because of this monk, Martin Luther. And when he came upon this, it turned everything back to normal. 
because he was believing a faith that had been reversed, had been, had been twisted, that had been perverted, that had been turned inside out, that had been all about works. And then maybe one day when you die, you might make it to heaven. And we're going to see that 500 years ago, last year, 1517, 1517, he lit the world on fire because of this message. Because my friends, it's about <coughs> sneezing. It's about the gospel. It's about the gospel. It's about this good news that will change your life. The gospel is simple, my friends. It's free, but it's not cheap. It costs Jesus everything. People still stumble over how easy it is because we think, oh my goodness, I've got to do something for this, right? I have to either earn this or pay it back. Jesus did everything for us. We now can come. There must be more to it, right? Well, the more is that he will change you and he will turn you inside out and he will give you a brand new purpose. And yes, he will produce good works in your life and he will evidence that faith that you have by your works, but your works will not earn it. My friends, it's not Jesus plus good works. It's Jesus alone. The gospel, I heard it this way this week, is not good advice. If you want good advice, Go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, pick up some self-help books. They'll give you some good advice. The gospel is good news, which is an announcement. The fact that it's already paid for. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you for the message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It is freely given to us, but it wasn't free. It cost Jesus everything. He went to the cross and he died for our sins. And as his body was on that cross, his blood was pouring out. His life was eking away. He finally said, it is finished. And God, it was done. We can't add any more to it. We can't continue on to what's done. What's done is done. It's D-O-N-E. Jesus did it all for us. God, I pray that we would put our trust in that. And maybe it could be here that as followers of Jesus, we've crept into legalism, crept into religion, and we have left the pure and simple beauty of the gospel. May we come back to it. Peel the scales off of us. Cut the barnacles away from the hull of our ship that are slowing us down and complicating the issue. And put us right back in that place where it's Jesus alone that saves us. Father, it could be that we're here and we've never, I mean, we've accepted church, but we've never accepted Christ. We believe in the message of church and the good advice that we see in church, but we've never received the good news of Christ. May we do that today. May we come and fall before you. And as the apostle Paul so clearly, beautifully said, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Father, I pray that in this moment, in this song, in this time, in this communion, we would not just take a cup and a piece of bread. We would, we would take Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.